Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am Bird. There is no Jake. There is no Adam. It is just me. Morning of the draft. Happy draft day. One of the very best days for any football nerds like myself, and probably I'm talking to you, listener, that is listening to an NFL podcast in the month of April. But then again, it is draft day, so maybe the, 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 the dying months where nothing really is going on or, or just is kind of over. But there really is always stuff going on. You just got to listen. You just got to listen to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show and the Basement Talk Podcast. We always have you hooked up. Uh, before we do anything, um, I just want to talk about one thing, and that is the absolutely unbelievable performance that was the New York Knicks in their first-round series versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, my God. And we get to avoid playing Giannis and the Bucks, which is terrific. But what I will say is Miami is no slouch. Miami is going to absolutely push the Knicks in every way imaginable. But let me tell you something. I want to make this very, very, very clear to absolutely everybody. If the New York Knicks make a conference final, I don't even know what would what the state of New York Knicks fandom would look like. We're all going crazy over winning a first-round series. And if you're telling me that there's the possibility now that with home court in the second round, that we could potentially be going to the Eastern Conference final, granted to take on the winner of Philadelphia and Boston, Two very, very, very good teams, and probably whomever wins that is the favorite to come out of the East. Uh, this is just gravy. This 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 is just gravy. Uh, obviously, the health of Julius Randle is of the utmost importance. I know he hasn't played particularly well, but we need him on the floor. But Jalen Brunson, whew, he's making me eat my words. I came on here. After we signed Jalen Brunson and I went scorched earth on the New York Knicks, I went scorched earth on the franchise, questioned whether or not I was right for being a Knicks fan, and uh, yeah, they've made me eat my words in a very, very big way. So a very big apology again to um, to Leon Rose, Scott Perry, World Wide West, Tom Thibodeau, uh, everyone associated with the New York Knicks. I love the New York Knicks. They are a great team full of great, great people. Josh Hart. Oh, the man has my heart. The man really does have my heart. Isaiah Hartenstein. Oof. Oof. Off the bench. Mitchell Robinson. Oh, with a monster double-double last night. Oh, my God. At just the all-around play. And listen, we could not lose to Donovan Mitchell. We could not do it. We could not go out to Donovan Mitchell. Everything that happened in the offseason... The very public courting that turned into nothing when Danny Ainge in Utah decided to trade Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland and we were stuck. We had to make sure we took care of business and we did. Absolutely amazing from the New York Knicks and I am over the moon. I am so happy to be a New York Knicks fan. God God bless this beautiful team and this franchise, even though it does kill me on a 
on, on a nightly basis, uh, much like the New York Rangers. And, uh, you know, I'm not really uh, very happy with the Rangers at the moment, but they can, uh, they can they have a chance to get back into my good graces if uh, if they want to take game five at the uh, at the pebble tonight uh, against the New Jersey Devils. So my non-NFL draft rant is 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 over with. Let's go and let's talk about what has been promised. So on this show, I made a promise to you, the listeners, that I would be giving you everything up to date with what I have been hearing that's going on revolving around this draft. And there has been a lot of discussion going on last night, this morning. I've been just getting absolutely blown up. And now here we are. This is the podcast for it. Uh, just a very quick reminder that Adam and I will be coming on directly after the first round. Probably I would say around midnight or so is when you know we'll be we'll be recording, and that episode will be up immediately after we are done. So odds are you will have a first round reaction from Adam and I in your inboxes. Uh, tomorrow morning, and then there is a possibility that maybe Adam and I will do a reaction for round two, round three on Friday, and then Jake and I will definitely be back on Monday to cover the rest of the NFL draft, and from a fantasy perspective, from a legitimate NFL uh, perspective, we have it all covered. We have it all covered. You get all the NFL draft information that you want over the next couple of days. So what do we got? What's going on in the world of the NFL draft? Um, I have, let's see, I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I have 11 nuggets that I am going to uh, to talk about. Uh, I just decided to pick out maybe the most interesting ones and the ones that are um, that would incite the most reaction out of people and get everybody, you know, sort of going. I've heard way more. Um, but I decided to really keep this to, um, the most intriguing sort of storylines to look forward to on night one. So, uh, let's start with probably the biggest domino to fall on night one. And let's start with the quarterbacks and the much speculated hype that is around Will Levis right now. What's the situation like there? Um, as of this morning, I have been told that it is going to be Bryce Young. Nothing has changed on that front. Bryce Young is still the likely number one overall pick. But then after that, it is an absolute crapshoot. And what's going to happen after the Carolina Panthers do take Bryce Young number one overall? I have been told that there is a possibility that Houston does not take a quarterback at number two overall and then immediately trades up to number three from number 12 to take take a quarterback at three or take their defensive player at three. That is a realistic possibility that I, either option could occur. Uh, there has been speculation that Houston has been doing a lot of digging around Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Those seem to be the two defensive names that Houston are looking at. If I had to put my, my money on it, I would probably say Will Anderson would be the most likely defensive player that would go there, even though they are very interested in Tyree Wilson, and I see why. I just think Will Anderson is the more proven commodity, where Tyree Wilson, you're taking him for the potential. Um, much like, much like let's say, um, 
Jacksonville did last year with the with the number one overall pick when they took Trayvon Walker out of the University of Georgia. So there's that possibility that Houston does trade up to number three. They are not the only team that is looking to trade up to number three. Indianapolis is looking to trade up to number three. Um, there's some other teams in the early in the late part of the top ten, early part of the 11, 12, 13 range that are looking to trade up for a quarterback. Would not would not rule out the possibility of Seattle at 20 trying to move up. Um, I also wouldn't rule out the, the, the possibility of the Atlanta Falcons trying to move up, Seattle Seahawks trying to move up. I mentioned the Seattle Seahawks. And this is an interesting one that I, that I also heard because I don't know if they'd be in the running for a quarterback. But how about the Las Vegas Raiders? I've heard about them potentially doing some snooping, trying to get up into the top five. Now for what? I don't know. But I would be particularly intrigued if the Raiders do move up because I just have a feeling that I don't know if it would be for a quarterback at three. But I wonder if if it's not Will Anderson, which is, I think, who I would take. If it's not Will Anderson there for the Raiders, if they do move up to three, I wonder if... I really do wonder if it is um, uh, Jalen Carter. I really wonder if that is the way that they were to go. It wouldn't be shocking because it's the Las Vegas Raiders. So we've seen them take chances on uh, guys with issues and, and, and definite legitimate concerns on draft day before. It really depends on what they're, on what the board looks like for them and if it makes sense to 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 move up uh and and get that done right now i do have the raiders taking devon witherspoon the corner out of illinois we'll see we'll see if if that is uh if that is something that they they do i've heard that detroit might be the more likely spot uh for devon witherspoon i also have detroit taking jalen carter right now and i've been told that uh jalen carter might actually be taken way before then at uh, number five by the Seattle Seahawks. We'll get to that in, in in a minute. Actually, you know what? It's a perfect segue. Let's just go right into it and talk about the Jalen Carter, where he could end up. So based on the people that I've talked to, I have about 45 to 50% of my people telling me that Jalen Carter is no doubt going number five. And then I have the other side of the coin, the other 45, 50% of people that I talk to saying, yeah, no, he's not going number five and they have no idea where he's going. So it really is all over the place for Jalen Carter. If I had to put my money on it, I would say that, yes, Seattle does take Jalen Carter at number five because that is the kind of player that Pete Carroll really likes. Guy with, or, or I wouldn't say likes, but a guy that Pete Carroll is not afraid to go in and invest in. A guy that has clear concerns a guy that has some off-the-field problems, but when he steps on a football field, the guy is just an absolute beast. And that is what Jalen Carter is. Jalen Carter is pound for pound the best football player in this entire draft if you were to take the entire off-the-field issues and put them aside. He is the best pound for pound player in this draft. And if you can get him at number five for a clear need in Seattle where they absolutely need an interior wrecking ball on the defensive side, yeah, you you, you take you definitely take that chance. I just wonder what would happen if the top four gets a little bit dicey and 
Seattle potentially has the opportunity to take a Will Anderson. If Will Anderson is there for them at five, what would they do? That's the only thing that I could think of where maybe Jalen Carter is not the slam dunk pick for Seattle at at number five overall. Uh, B. John Robinson. Have to talk about him. So the last that I've heard, and, and I think everyone is now pretty much on the bandwagon. Oh, I do have some some breaking news here. This is from uh, KPRC Houston that the Texans are not expected to draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson with their second pick tonight. So that rules out, that rules them out, and it basically has a two-dog race between C.J. Stroud and either defensive player, Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson at number two for the Texans. But Bijan, I think at this point, everybody knows that Bijan Robinson is a guy that is getting plenty of hype in the top 15 and the top 10. That is a definitely, that's definitely a realistic possibility that Bijan Robinson is drafted in the top 10. But how, but how far into the top 10 are we talking? I have heard that Atlanta, and we I talked about this on the, on the bold prediction show that we did, uh, Atlanta, that is a clear fit. That is a clear fit. Fits what Arthur Smith wants on offense. A bell cow running back that can carry the ball 25, 30 times a game and is just a, re- a wrecking a wrecking ball in the backfield. That, that I think, is an, absolutely not an option for them. Um, I kind of see, though, the floor being number 10 overall with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just don't see how Howie Roseman, who is very famously a listen-to-your-board guy. Bijan Robinson is consensus top five on pretty much every team's board. If you're Howie Roseman and you are a listen-to-your-board, draft-by-your-board guy, how do you not go and take Bijan Robinson at number 10 overall? Like, how? How do you ignore that possibility? I don't think he does. But it's just a question of, will he be there? Will he be there for the Philadelphia Eagles to go ahead and take that chance? Now, this is the part that where the inside knowledge comes in. There have been teams that I have heard of that are in that range, that are in the uh, 10 to 15 range, that are potentially very excited about the opportunity of Bijan Robinson going to either Atlanta at eight or the Philadelphia Eagles at ten, and here is why: because they are feeling. If you look at all of those teams that are there, they are all teams that need offensive line help, and you look at Peter Skaronsky, you look at Paris Johnson, you look at Broderick Jones. Those three offensive linemen are all in that 10 to 15 range. If you're telling me that you have four quarterbacks that are going to go in the top 10, right? Let's just say. And then you also have Bijan Robinson that goes in there. And you also have to have Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, maybe a corner goes in there as as well. Uh, Jalen Carter in there as well. You're now talking about one of those offensive linemen getting to potentially a team in that 10 to 15 range. And we're talking maybe two offensive linemen in that range. I know 
Uh, Paris Johnson has gotten a whole lot of love uh, this week, and he could potentially become a top 10 pick now. Uh, there are teams that are in that 5-10 to 10 range that are looking at Paris Johnson alongside Peter Skaronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern. Paris Johnson, the tackle-slash-guard out of Ohio State, is getting plenty of love in, in, in the top 10 now as well. And then Broderick Jones in that discussion. And I would also include Darnell Wright in, in, in that discussion as well, especially when you're looking at the New England Patriots that are sitting there at 14 overall that don't have a right tackle right now. They do not have a right tackle at this moment in time. They have to plug that hole on their offensive line. And I think Darnell Wright fits perfectly there. He played more snaps at right tackle than at any other position throughout his collegiate career at Tennessee. That is a spot that makes a ton of sense for the for the New England Patriots if that is a, a, a way that they that they go. So you could have four the four offensive linemen that potentially all go in that eight to fifteen range. I think that is absolutely very possible tonight. And they could even be pushed down the board a little bit more because of the uh, the premier position like the quarterback and then the, the, the sexy position like you know running back with B. John Robinson uh, going in the top 10, and then you have to look at the the, the the higher-end defensive players, the Tyree Wilsons, the Will Andersons, and the Jalen Carters, all going in that range as well. And then you have to look at, you know, the, the two other quarterbacks that haven't been mentioned, you know, with Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson. Where do they factor into all this? Do it as a team trade up and take them in the top 10? There's a whole lot to consider as to where um, all of that can can definitely occur. Uh and we got here just by talking about B. John Robinson. So that is absolutely awesome. Um, if I put my money on it, I would say that Atlanta does take B. John Robinson tonight, even though they do have other needs. They have to fill the gap on the, on the other side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, in terms of getting to the quarterback. I mentioned this, that they brought in Bud Dupree. But Bud Dupree is not getting to the quarterback by himself. They, they have to bring in somebody else there. I have them uh, with Nolan Smith right now in my, in my mock. Um, I'm going to be releasing my final, final mock. I know what we did, uh, the mock on, um, we released that mock on Monday with Jake, but I'm going to be doing a full a full mock, and maybe I do it with, with some trades to make it, make it a little bit fun. Um, that could definitely be a possibility. So that'll be up. My, my, all my socials are in the episode description, so definitely go, uh, go check that out. Um, let's see. What else do I have here? Um... We'll stick with the Philadelphia Eagles, actually. If they don't get B. John Robinson, the name I keep hearing with them is, with them is Nolan Smith, uh, the defensive end out of Georgia. Uh, just a wrecking ball. It's smaller, though, but that's the kind of player that Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles do like. Remember, they took an undersized linebacker last year with the Kobe Dean out of, you guessed it, the University of Georgia. I think they could dip back into that well and potentially take Nolan Smith if the opportunity presents itself where B. John Robinson is completely off of this board. Uh, let's see here. What else can I talk about? Oh, the, we could talk about the Cowboys. Sure. We could definitely talk about that. Uh, oh, some more information here. Um, just got some word. This is also from KPRC Houston that the Tennessee Titans are exploring the possibility of trading up for C.J. Stroud if he is on the board. I'm telling you. The number three overall pick is going to get so much attention if the Houston Texans do not take C.J. Stroud at number two. That That is where this draft will just completely go 
bonkers. If C.J. Stroud does not go 1-2, and I've been told this now for the better part of the last week and a half, if the top of the draft is not Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, in any particular order that you want, the draft is going to go haywire and very quick. So Dallas, here's what I'm hearing. So there is the possibility, and it is becoming ever so apparent, that the Cowboys are not going to potentially get one of the two tight ends that they really want, and that is Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid out of Notre Dame and Utah, respectively. There is the possibility that they would go wide receiver with that pick. I have been told that Quentin Johnson is definitely a possibility for them. Um, I haven't heard of them looking around at Zay Flowers, but maybe that becomes an option. And I haven't really heard much about Jordan Addison either. I keep talking about offensive line with them. If there is no pass catcher there, and maybe they solve the pass catcher slash tight end issue in round two. But one of the things that they could do, and something that I have heard uh, the Cowboys are actively considering, is actually still taking a tight end in the first round in the form of Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave. And he's not at the level of Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid, but he still is a very, very solid tight end that can make plays downfield, has a very solid route tree, is a good blocker, needs to improve on the blocking side of it just a little bit. But overall, he definitely is an option for Dallas if that is a way that they go. I still am very much in the camp that I think that Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, if they don't get one of them, it is bust for the Cowboys at that spot in terms of a tight end, and they figure out their tight end issue in round two or potentially later in this draft, and maybe they solve their linebacker issue. Maybe they take a corner. Maybe they take Quentin Johnson if if, if he is there. Maybe they go offensive line and, and try and fill the hole that has been vacated by Connor McGovern. Now that now that he's gone, I'd be I would be interested to see if the Cowboys were to do um, interior offensive line because we know that there is no such thing as too many offensive linemen, just like there's no such thing as too many corners. So uh, that is something that they could do. But Luke Musgrave is a name as a name I keep hearing uh, with with the Cowboys uh, at 26 right now. If that is a way that they that they go and and if they don't get a hold of Michael Mayer or or Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid, I know, is getting a lot of attention right now at 13 um, with the Packers pick that they just, of course, acquired from from the New York Jets. Also, keep an eye on uh, Green Bay to potentially trade up and maybe jump Houston if Houston stays at 12 to try and jump Houston maybe if, if Houston is going to take a receiver there. Look at Green Bay to potentially trade up and try and get a hold of Jackson Smith and Jake, but that's a, that's a thing I keep hearing as well. The New York Giants, of course, everybody's favorite team, the New York Giants. Uh, what, do I hear, what am I hearing with them? I'm kind of hearing that they're off of the pass catcher thing, and I, I understand it. I understand it to a point. I know that uh, pass catcher is deep with good options, and one of the things that they definitely could do is investing and in trying to improve the offensive line. The name that I keep hearing with the New York Giants is Joe Tittman, the versatile interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin. He could play either guard spot. He could play center, which absolutely every NFL team loves. They love that position versatility, especially with offensive linemen, where you could pretty much play Joe Tittman anywhere. And 
listen, the Giants have to improve their offensive line in this draft. They have to go out and they have to protect their their new investment in, in Daniel Jones on that fresh, brand new contract being paid a lot of money. And you want to make sure that he's staying upright and he's on the field. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that is the way that the Giants go. It would not be the most sexy thing in the world. I know a lot of Giants fans might not be too happy with that if that is the way that they do go. Because obviously there is that clear need for a pass catcher. And I would not be surprised if that is the way that they end up going at all because of the need being so apparent. And I don't know if they really want Dallas to potentially get the opportunity to take a pass catcher that that they're you know, sitting right behind them. I don't know if, if the Giants would really want that, but we've seen crazier things. But keep an eye on the Giants for, for an offensive lineman. I think it does make sense that that is the way the way that they go. Uh, Joe Tippman is the name I keep hearing. I'm also, I'm also hearing about John Michael Schmitz, the out-and-out center out of Minnesota, but I don't know if he's a round one option for me, given he is a strict center and... He's not at the level of Tyler Lindebaum, where Lindebaum was a generational was generational center prospect at this time last year. So even though I like John Michael Spitz, I like, I like him a whole heck of a lot. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are interested in trading up from 31. I don't think that's much of a surprise. I know I've talked about this um, over the course of the last few shows intermittently here and there. Uh, but they are interested in trading up from 31. I keep hearing Zay Flowers and his name being mentioned. I mean, very publicly, he's uh, been doing workouts with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it because I keep hearing Zay Flowers' name in and around 20. They'd have to jump up 10 or 11 spots to do it. Um, but then again, I also I also am hearing teams that are saying that there is not more than two receivers that go in the first round which to me is a, is a little bit light, but there are teams that believe that there are only two first-round receivers in this entire draft. And, you know, we'll have to see uh, whether or not that that comes true. And, and I know for a fact that there is uh, one team that I've talked to that only has 14 first-round grades on certain prospects in this draft, 14. And normally you have a number, let's say the average is like 20. 20 is about the average that I that I hear most years. But 14, 14 is light. And this year, I think the number, I think the number is like 16 to 18. And granted, I haven't heard from every team about that. I've heard from most, but not every but the number that I've heard is somewhere around 16 to 18. That there's one team that I know for a for 100% fact, because I had it confirmed this morning, that they have 14 prospects with a first-round grade. That's light. That is very, very, very light. Uh, let's see. There's some belief of a Jackson Smith and Jigba slide. And again, I just talked about it just now, that there is one team that said that there could only be one or two receivers that go in round one. Kind of talked about that. Um, but the, the Jackson Smith and Jigba slide, it definitely is possible because I think before we all expected the floor for Jackson Smith and Jigba would be number 12 with Houston, especially if they were to go CJ Stroud at number two, then they just kick it back, get Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 12. Maybe they stink for a year. They get Marvin Harrison Jr. next year and bam, they become Ohio State South 
with C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, especially given Houston's interest now in, in seemingly trading up and trying to get one of the defensive gems in this draft. Um, but I, I could see Smith and Jigba sliding a little bit. And it's quite possible that Green Bay may not have to trade up at all and they can get Jackson Smith and Jigba at 13 if that is what they want to do. That uh, that is just... There's some people that are that are subscribing to that, that Jackson Smith and Jigba could fall. I'm not one of them. I still think he's a top 15 pick. I would be shocked if he were to fall out of the top 15, quite honestly. Despite despite the questions about this year's wide receiver class, there there is the common consensus is that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the is the best of a very light class as far as ah uh, what's the word I'm looking for higher end talent. Jackson Smith and Jigba is probably the best out of them, but I would be really really surprised if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls out of the top fifteen. We've also seen wide receivers get pushed up before, so it wouldn't be a shock to see Jackson Smith and Jigba go in the top ten. But there are some teams out there that think Jigba could be in for a little bit of a slide. That's just what I'm hearing. I don't buy it, but we always talk about this just in and amongst the the scouting community. When you hear something from a team, the team knows more than the media does. So when you hear it from the mouth of someone that is associated with the franchise, they know. They know that something is up. And I heard it from a couple of teams that JSN could be in for a little bit of a slide tonight. So... We'll see if, if, if those teams are, are, are correct. But this time of year, I usually do trust the team sources more than I trust the media sources, if that makes sense. Uh, the linebackers. Uh, there is a name that a lot of teams are kind of looking at as potentially the first linebacker to come off the board in and around the mid-20s, and that is Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas. Teams love the versatility that he brings to the table. He has to be on a defense where there is an, a very open-minded, very diverse, fun, um, new, new, fresh, younger defensive mind. And that's going to be able to utilize the very unique skill sets that Drew Sanders brings to the table. Again, he's very un- he is very undersized, so that is definitely a bit of a, not a red flag, but something that teams are kind of like okay you know do we really want to take the chance on first round linebacker that is not as big as the trenton simpsons or the jack campbells are but drew sanders is a name that is very very interesting to teams that are in that 20 range especially especially buffalo because buffalo needs a linebacker but they like their linebackers on the heavier side so i don't know if drew sanders is a fit there but it is possible it definitely is possible uh, Osiris Torrance, the off interior offensive lineman out of Florida, he also is getting some love in the later part of the first round, and I am not surprised one bit. Also brings that position versatility, can play either tackle spot, probably is better off as a guard at the, at the next level. Teams are looking at him in the 20s to potentially come off the board. Last news item that I have, and then... Um, I will call it, and of course, we will be back uh, tonight. And the last one that I have here is that, again, more receivers. It is unlikely that either Tennessee receiver goes tonight in round one. Don't think that's a surprise uh, to many. But the thing is, that is interesting, 
is that Jalen Hyatt seems to be more appreciated over Cedric Tillman, his teammate. That, to me, is a surprise because I have Tillman ranked higher on my big board than I do Hyatt. I'm not really a Hyatt guy. I think he's very much of a one-trick pony to me. But I know teams that love those receivers that could just run in a straight line and, and burn anybody. And that's what Jalen Hyatt does. And the one trick that he's got is really, really good. And maybe he could be polished and matured into a, uh, a better a better NFL receiver because of all the things that we've talked about with the, with the, the, the Tennessee offense. Uh, this is the University of Tennessee, not the Tennessee Titans. Just need to clarify that the Tennessee Volunteers don't really have the most pro-style offense in the world, and that hurts some of their prospects for sure. And we can talk about it with uh, the receivers, and we also talk about it with uh, Hen and Hooker. Which, by the way, this is th- thank God I brought I I just managed to think about the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, the Hen and Hooker thing is losing a bit of steam, from what I've been told. Um, they love the kid, but it may take a trade up in the 20s for Hendon Hooker. There are also teams that do believe that Hendon Hooker could go in the top 15, 20 picks. So I'm hearing both things. I'm hearing that it's full steam ahead, and I'm hearing that the wheels are falling off. So basically, who the hell knows what the hell is is going to happen tonight. Um, Definitely does seem to be one of the most intriguing first rounds that we've had in a very, very, very long time. I am really looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. If you love what you heard, leave a five-star review. Subscribe if you are not subscribed. We, Adam and I, will be back tonight, midnight. We will be here. We will be talking about the first round of the NFL Draft. We will be giving you all the reaction and giving you all the best content that you want. So I am Bird. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And we will catch you on the next one later tonight with our first round reaction to night one of the NFL draft. Bye-bye.